it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 145 of the Photography Side Hustle podcast. The idea for this week's episode came from Shannon Doheny Doherty in the Facebook group. One of her suggestions was, among many, what gear do you need besides camera, computer and reflector? I decided to go with it, but I'm not missing out camera, computer and reflector. I'm going to do everything. And halfway through writing this, I decided that I was going to organise my podcast room, photography, storage room, which actually is my spare bedroom. And I was going through some old equipment that I hadn't used in years. Now, I still have two Canon 30D bodies that have been sitting there for eight or nine years, something like that. And I was meant to trade them in when I moved up to 1D Mark IV bodies. Well, the reason I didn't trade them in was that they offered me peanuts for them. Now, I understand they have to make a profit, but I think they offered less than $100 each back then, and it was really low. And right up to that point, I'd been using them to make money. In fact, a few days before I spoke with the guy, I did a a session and made money. They worked great, and they never let me down, so I kept them. I checked the KEH website today, who specialise in used equipment, And they have some 30D bodies for sale and the prices are ranging from $46 to $72. Yes, it's only an 8 megapixel camera, but they still capture the scene in front of you just like any other body. The output is slightly smaller, but back in 2006, photographers produced large prints and photo books just like they do today using 8 and 10 megapixel cameras. Today's camera bodies are incredible. I have one. It is absolutely incredible. But do you need to spend thousands of dollars on one camera body when you can buy a five-year-old body for hundreds of dollars? Okay, let's go through the list of things you need to get started making money as a photographer. So the number one is camera body. Now, obviously, you do need a camera body. Everybody needs one. If you don't have one, you're not going to be a photographer. But you also need a backup body. Just in case anything goes wrong. If you're shooting a wedding it's very important that you have a backup camera body. I can't imagine not having one and something goes wrong. Like you can't just get in your car and drive away. It's it's criminal if you don't have a backup camera body in that situation. Anyway, 99% of the time, your camera will work great, but all electronics fail at some point. And if it happens to you, you need to be able to pull a second body out of your bag and continue working. Now, this is where buying used equipment really pays off. So instead of buying this year's model for $2,000, you can go out and you can buy two used bodies a few years old for the sum of $1,500 for the two, or even less, depending on how far back you want to go. You don't need a Sony 61 megapixel camera. Anything around 20 megapixel will be fine. If money is tight, you can use anything you can afford. I think as long as it's 8 to 10 megapixels, you can get by and you can make money. And if you reinvest the money into better equipment, it is a good way to go. I know that today if someone says, can you shoot this for X amount of money? I'm there. And if all I had was my 30D bodies, it's not a problem. It's just taking pictures. You just understand what you're working with and get on with it. My daughter's backup bodies, she has two backup bodies because she had two cameras before, are 60Ds. And they are 18 megapixel. And I wouldn't have a problem putting a pro lens on one of those and doing a shoot. They are really good. They're like three levels up above my 30Ds. 
because Canon do 10D, 20D, 30D, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and 90, I think they're up to now. But anyway, the 60Ds are 18 megapixel. And like I say, you put a professional lens on one of those, and they're incredible. Mackenzie used it mainly with a 50mm lens, and the pictures are crisp and clean. Now, you can buy Canon 60D bodies on the KEH website for $220. And that is good enough to start a business with. So a couple of those for 440 bucks plus tax, and away you go. Now, I'm using the KEH website, keh.com, for examples, but you can buy used equipment at B&H in New York, Adorama in New York, Henry's in Canada. There's lots of dealers all over the place that offer used equipment. So check them out because you can save a lot of money. Okay, next is lenses. Now, this is where you need to buy better equipment, whether it's used or new. You can't cut corners buying hobbyist lenses and hoping to get professional results. It just doesn't work. Like I say, you don't need to buy new, though. There are lots of deals to be had buying used lenses. If you're going to be shooting for money, you need to buy professional glass. Now, the one good thing about lenses is you don't need to change them very often, if at all. I still have the lenses that I bought new in 2005-2006. And if you look after them, there's no reason you need to replace them unless there's an unbelievably greater model available. Okay, so your first decision is whether you want to shoot using prime lenses or zooms or a mixture of both. Prime lenses have a fixed focal length like 24, 35, 50, 85 millimeter, 200, 300, 400, it goes on. Most primes have a maximum aperture of 1.8 1.4 or 1.2 and that means they let a lot of light in and they are great for shooting in low light situations. Professional zooms have focal lengths like 16 to 35 millimeter, 24 to 70 millimeter, 70 to 200 and another example would be 100 to 300 millimeter and they all generally have a maximum aperture of 2.8. That also lets a lot of light in, but not as much as prime lenses. An f1.4 lens lets in four times the amount of light that an f2.8 lens lets in. That is, the 1.4 lens lets in two stops more light than the 2.8. And that is a massive, massive difference. Now, I bought a 50mm 1.4 many years ago so that I could shoot wedding receptions without a flash. If I was using ISO 800 with the 50mm lens, I'd have to use ISO 3200, 3200, if I was using an f2.8 lens. That's two stops less, and that would make the photos very grainy. Now, a plus of using a newer body in this situation is the graininess caused by high ISO numbers isn't anywhere near as bad as it used to be with the older models. I am really confident that I could use my new R6 Mark II body at ISO 3200 without a grain problem like I used to get with my older cameras. So that is something to think about if you are going to be in that kind of situation and you don't want to use flash. So which focal length should you use? Now, if you shoot in groups of people, you will need a wider lens. 
So when I say wider lens, I mean lenses with the numbers that are lower. But it depends on what type of body you're going to be using. On a full-frame body, a 35mm lens will let you capture groups, like quite a large group of people with a 35mm lens. An APS-C crop body, like my old 30Ds, Mackenzie's 60Ds and Nikon 3600 or 3200, wherever they are, those are cropped bodies. The APS-C sensors in them. And those sensors are smaller and it gives the lens a narrower field of view. So you need to use a multiplier of 1.5 for Nikon and 1.6 times for Canon. A 35mm lens on a Nikon APS-C body acts like a 52.5mm lens. And that wouldn't be good for capturing a large group of people. If you use a 24mm on the same body, on a Nikon APS-C body, it would be the same as a 36mm lens. So 24mm would be perfect for group shots on a crop-censored camera. So like I said, lenses with lower numbers capture a wider view. Higher numbers are used for bringing subjects closer and fill the frame, like a 200 or a 300 or people that shoot birds, probably a 600mm lens or an 800mm lens. But like I said, it depends on what kind of camera body you've got. Chances are, if you're just starting out, you have a cropped sensor body, a smaller sensor, the APS-Cs, and you will need to go down one lens to get the same effect. Okay, next, camera bag. When I started out, I went through a lot of camera bags. Each bag was bigger than the last one. The good ones aren't cheap though, but they do protect your gear, so buy the best one you can afford. You've got to think about other things rather than just a camera and one lens. Think about two camera bodies, two or three lenses. One of them might be a big one as well, the 70-200, and you might get into flash. You want to put in extra memory cards. You want to put in, well, I don't know, if you're going trekking somewhere, spare pair of socks. Anything you can think of, make sure your bag is big enough and buy the best that you can afford at the time. Okay, next, memory cards. Now, all I can say is buy twice as many as you think you will need. Buy SanDisk, Lexar, ProGrade, which are really expensive but excellent apparently, and Sony brands. Avoid cheaper no-name cards from Amazon. Just because it says something on the label doesn't mean that is what it actually is. It could be a lot worse. So stick with the major brands. The next one isn't a big thing. It's cheap. It's a cleaning kit. you got to keep your gear clean and check it before every session. Cleaning kits there, like I say, they are so inexpensive and you don't want to work with a dirty lens. It can ruin a shoot. The next one is pretty obvious, a computer. Now, an average computer will be fine when you're starting out. It might take more time to edit, just for the time it takes to render the images. So just add this to the list of things that you need to upgrade at a later date. The more work you do, the more money you get in, and then you'll be able to upgrade it. But like I say, any average computer should be good to start with. Next, we've got software. There are lots of free editing programs available. There's more and more every year. But if you want to compete as a photographer, I strongly recommend you get a subscription to Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop. I think they call it the photographer's plan. 
you've got to remember that editing is 50% of your workload. A properly edited photo is easier to sell. If your edit is no good, people just, it turns them off. You're not going to sell much and your portfolio is not going to look too good if they're not properly edited. Next one is external hard drives. You've got to back up your work. It is so important. You're dealing with customers' memories and you don't want to lose them. So get one or two external hard drives, back up your work, and then when your computer dies one day, you can go right back to work and you've not lost anything. All right, the next one isn't isn't something you can put in your bag or on your desk. Well, I guess it is on your desk. It's online. Uh, It's a website. All professional photographers need a website to show the portfolio and take bookings and just can't make contact with the world. You got to show everyone how professional and trustworthy you are and that is what a website is for. You've got to address people's problems so that they feel comfortable with you and they can see your work and if it's good quality they're going to book you. Now the next one related to your website and every business needs one is a mailing list. You need to collect visitors email addresses and contact them with your offers. It's the easiest way to sell your services and get bookings. You can light a fire under people, giving them time limits. If you book before a certain time this week, you get X amount off, or I'm only taking bookings till Friday. You, you will convince people that they should book you. So you need a mailing list. It is crucial. Now, the next ones I've put down as extras. The first one is a flash. Like obviously when you're starting out, you learn how to use your camera. Flash can be a little bit scary. And it was for me. And I didn't understand why once I got a flash and I started looking into using it because it was so easy. And shooting with flash is going to solve a lot of problems you might have when shooting outdoors. And it makes shooting indoors super easy. Like I say, they're easy to use and you can be up and running in no time at all with them. It just changes the quality of your photos totally. It's amazing. So I suggest you get a flash. I'm not saying straight away, but think about it as something you're going to do in the next few months. Next one is a tripod or a monopod. If you shoot in sports with a big lens, then you've got to have a monopod because they just make life so much easier. For landscape photographers, if you're getting into that, you need a tripod. It's a big piece of your equipment in in landscape photography. I imagine nearly every picture would be taken on a tripod. So if you're going down that lane, you need one. Next one is filters. Now, filters are being used less and less these days due to what you can do in editing. And again, it's landscape photographers who use them the most. Although I will say, I think every photographer should have a circular polarizer. It just cuts down glare on sunny days. It brings colors out that weren't there before because of the sun. Yeah, a circular polarizer, but you've got to get one that fits the lens that you're using. Now, I'm okay. The two lenses I use the circular polarizer on are the same size diameter. So you might have to get one or two of them to fit different lenses. Now, the last one in the extras is a reflector. Now, they're great for reflecting light or even flash onto the subject's face to remove shadows. Right. Those are the things I think you need to get started. I think I covered everything. Before I go, I want to mention something that has absolutely shocked me this week. And it re- I mean, it's like 
mouth was open, my jaw dropped when I was watching it. And it is a video by Marcus Brownlee, who's a really smart kid. He's so, he's got a, a YouTube channel with millions of people watching him. And he did a video called AI Generated Videos Just Change Forever. Now, a year ago, there were some videos put out by a company and they had an AI put together some video examples of uh, Will Smith, the actor, the slapping guy, eating pasta. And it was like a weird caricature of him and it didn't look like a human being. It just looked like a, like I say, a caricature. It was very odd, but it's what an AI put together. Well, this AI that Marcus was talking about is called Sora, S-O-R-A, and it's owned and operated by OpenAI. These are the same people that brought us chat GPT. Now, if you go on their site, there's a link in the video. It'll take you to their site. Just watch the, you've got to watch this video because there's, there's a video of a, a lady walking down the street in Japan and there's reflections in the, the it's been raining and there's reflections and it is 95% perfect. I would say 95%, maybe a little bit more. Some of the things are a little off, like the stutter in the feet at one point. But initially you look at it and you just think, oh, yeah, that's real. No, it was an, an AI generated it. There's another one of an, an older guy there. And that just looked like a real, you would have thought it was a real person. It is so scary because Sora, this AI, is the same as ChatGPT, meaning that when it comes out, you will be able to put a prompt in. You can type a sentence and say, in, I want a guy with a blue hat running down the beach, being chased by sea lions. And the more detail you give it, the more accurate it'll be. And it will give you a video of exactly what you want, which it, when you think about that, it's going to get a little scary, especially in a year like this with the American election. Anyone who makes videos for commercial use should be worried. There's a couple of people I know in the Facebook group that are trying to get into doing these types of videos like B-roll video, you know, where shooting downtown Chicago or shooting drone footage, you know, of a lighthouse coming in over the ocean, that kind of thing. They're going to be out of work. They're not going to be able to sell anything because the people at the moment that are buying these types of videos will be able to just go to Sora, type in what they want and download it. And I'm really worried about what's going to happen with photography. You know, people are going to take snaps with the phone, upload it and it'll make a full portrait for them. Who knows? We don't know yet. But yeah, a little bit scary to watch this thing. It's so accurate. Anyway, I've, I'll stop my rant now because it, it really disturbed me a little bit just thinking about it. Check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes and I'll put it over in the on the website over at photographysidehustle.com forward slash 145. And while you're there, you can support the show and buy me a coffee. Right. That's it for another week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.